Hello and welcome to episode number 541 of Holy Crap It's Sports. I'm your host Pete Davis, uh, talking in dulcet tones today because my sister is upstairs not feeling well, so I'm not going to be yelling and screaming and hollering into the microphone since I'm directly underneath uh, where she's trying to rest. So anyway, I hope everybody's had a great week. It is a cold. It was 71 here yesterday in the banks of the Etowah River. It is not 71 today. It is cold outside. It is a winter's day. But anyway, uh, I hope everybody's having a great uh, week so far, heading into the old weekend. It's uh, the first weekend without football since, what, August? Late August, early September? I mean, real football? And don't give me this USFL stuff starting up. I am not going to watch one second of that, please. It's baseball season. Baseball season. Anyway, uh, we'll be talking about the Braves later today. Also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, go to Pete Davis one If you'd like to be a patron of the show, Please do patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Just look up Holy Crap at Sports, or I posted the Venmo thing on Twitter, and I believe Facebook. If not, uh, I'm easily found, Holy Crap at Sports, Pete Davis, blah, blah, blah. If you want to write me, Pete Davis one at yahoo.com, or if you'd like to be a sponsor of the show, or what is it? Uh, Oh, yeah, T-shirts. Bring up Shriners and all that good stuff, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Go to farmhouseprintingco.com. They have all your needs. Uh, Before I do the headlines, I'll do a little, uh, I'm going to do a little bit because I'll forget at the end. And you can fast forward if you don't care about the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie, which I saw yesterday. And I screwed up. I looked forward to it. Never look forward to anything because it will always disappoint you. It may be, it may be one of the worst of the Marvel movies and I like the first two, Ant-Man, but I really don't care for this one too much. The only uh, good thing about it is the uh, the bad guy, Kang the Conqueror. Everybody knows it's going to be him. He's the new Thanos. The guy, at first, I wasn't too sold that he could do it. He's really good. He's a really good actor, and he really pulls it off. He was a little so-so in Loki, but uh, really does a good job in this movie. So he's going to be a pretty good villain, I believe. Or villains. <laughs> but anyway, the movie, the, the script is horrible. It's just all the little pithy lines that are funny coming out of uh, Scott Rudd's mouth. That is his name, right? Uh, Paul Rudd, sorry. Paul Rudd's mouth. He's a funny guy. The script is just not up to par. It really wastes him. It wastes um, Michael Douglas, who does get a good few good lines in there. It uh, It's a lot more Michelle Pfeiffer in this one. And by God, she's still a beautiful woman. My God, she's a beautiful woman. There's one scene where she's looking at the camera uh, and she it's like she's to me it's almost as beautiful as she was back in her 20s. It's unbelievable how well. Uh, and of course, I've always liked uh, Evangeline Lilly, who I'm not really big on the short hair bob, but they're doing the old, you know, like the comic book book version of the wasp well she had short hair and everything uh, so she's still good looking woman too but they kind of waste everybody with a bad script it really doesn't make you feel anything the the girl that plays his daughter cassie she's she's nice to look at and she's a nice actress and everything but it's she's nothing to write home about not in this movie once again uh, the script failing on that there's too much sound and fury and not much behind it. They went a lot for the special effects. And while the effects are good, they just kind of blend in to each other after a while. One explosion after another. 
there's a you know a surprise cameo from a guy in there. He, it's a long cameo, and you probably know about it by now. I found about it the day before. I've been trying to avoid all the trailers, but I found out a day before he, he was going to be in it. So it was kind of like a depressing that I wasn't shocked from it. But he is a he plays a, a good role in it. But uh, the main point of it, it while it does further the uh, the story of Kang. It really is not that great of a movie. In fact, I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a 49 from the critics. Whew. And they usually are rough on the Marvel movies, but that's really rough. A 49. Uh, of course, the audience will probably give it uh, more than that. I'm thinking low 80s. If it's below 80, you know they got trouble. I'm predicting that this is the last of the Ant-Man movies. Uh, it made $17 million in the previews, so I'm sure it's still making money. But I think once word gets out that it's not that great, ugh, I don't know if they'll make a fourth one. I'm surprised they made three. I like the first two. Uh, one more thing. They made a political comment in it. Two, actually. The first one, okay, they're talking about homeless people. Got no problem with that. Uh, the second one was Michael Douglas, who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, who has been a millionaire since he was in his 20s or 30s. Still a millionaire, I imagine. Married to one of the most beautiful women in the world, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, he gives a little mini lecture on socialism and it just, it, it brings the movie to a, a grinding halt and everybody, and it was like 25 people in there cause I went to the three o'clock show and there's never anybody in that three o'clock Thursday show. It's, you know, so maybe you would enjoy it more if you went with a lot of people, a full crowd or anything. Uh, but I got, got to say when he stops the movie halfway through to give his little, uh, one line diatribe on socialism, it's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Another thing, a little small complaint here. I used to go, and I've been going to the Sandy Springs. Um, it used to be the LaFont. It's the one where Bill Tush runs. I forget the name of it. I never can remember the name of it and everything, but it's a great theater. And you walk in, it's all basically ground level, or you walk down a little bit. It's very convenient, and you can choose what seat you're going to sit in. I made the mistake of going to an AMC theater yesterday. I will hopefully never do that again. Uh, first of all, you walk in and it's stadium seating and you got to walk up. And look, I got no problem walking those stairs, but I don't go to the movies to get a, a step workout in. And I don't really care to have to walk all the way because I like to be in the very back. I don't like to have to walk and work for it. Okay. Another thing is, it was one commercial trailer after another. Uh, they threw a few trailers in there, but at 3 o'clock, the movie was supposed to start. I had to be on the Shannon Burke show at 6 o'clock. It was a two-hour and five-minute movie. I'm thinking I'm out at 5.05, 5.10, plenty of time to get ready for to call Shannon. At uh, 3 o'clock, not only did they keep running trailers, they kept running commercials for 30 minutes. Commercials. And then they put on that... Uh, Natalie Kidman, Nicole Kidman thing that went on for a minute, which I had never seen. Kimmer laughed about it a few days ago, and, and there it was. I got to see it. It's total a waste of time talking about movie theaters and all that stuff. They're still celebrating their 100th anniversary, which was three years ago. But it was 30 minutes of commercials and trailers after 3 o'clock. The movie didn't start till after 3.30 which meant I cut it very close in getting in to do the Shannon show. I was not happy. I was muttering very loudly about starting the effing movie, which probably made him keep going longer. But anyway, sorry for the movie diatribe here. I'm going to take a sip of, I don't know, what are we drinking today? 
Mm. Ah, Heineken. Let's just go straight for the Heineken here. Um, so there's my movie diatribe. Do not go to Ant-Man. Just wait for it to uh, come out on um, streaming or whatever you want. Disney Plus or whatever. Uh, you, unless you want to see the big effects on the screen. And it is cool. Some of the effects are cool. But they, they try and make cute little things like Guardians of the Galaxy that take all these aliens and make them cute or where you care about them. And they do such a great job of it. They do not do a great job of the little aliens and stuff today in the Ant-Man movie. It's just not. They try very too hard. A another thing, they have a character arc for a surprise villain who was a surprise, which was nice. But he's not a very good actor, and uh, they had a totally unbelievable character arc for him. And he wasn't the only one, and I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, you got to do a better job. I don't know who their director was, but they should not hire him for anything else in the uh, MCU. That's just my opinion. We welcome yours. That's enough of the movie. Let's get on for headlines for Friday, February 17th at 2023, episode number 541 of Holy Crap, It's Sports, Not Holy Crap, It's Movies. Fred McGriff decides which team's cap he will wear in the Hall of Fame. Corbin Burns of the Brewers is mad at his team for their arbitration hearing. He lost. And is Max Fried mad at the Braves because he lost his too? And a Braves pitcher has a setback down in spring training. Hopefully it's going to be a minor one. Uh, the Braves get their man in the booth a couple days ago. It's going to replace Chip Carey. And happy birthday to a guy. I did it a day early yesterday. Sorry about this. Happy birthday to the man that all Braves fans enjoy hearing from during a game. America's slim chances in the World Baseball Classic get worse by the day. Who the Falcons will draft at number eight. As usual, the Falcons screwed up the Matt Ryan trade, and I'm not the only one saying that now. And a former Falcon lands on hard times. Weird Super Bowl trivia. Florida football joins the 21st century. Alabama just got a whole lot tougher. Tiger Woods is back mocking his fellow golfers and some people some women out there are outraged and trying to cancel him good luck with that tiger is made of sterner stuff i hope he does not apologize for what he did yesterday and we'll see uh, who's going to host saturday night live you're not going to believe it and we got prayers up for a college basketball coach we got pete's tweets this day in sports history birthdays let's get started shall we we'll start with the braves since it is baseball season officially uh, Right-hander Michael Soroka is dealing with tight hamstring. He's being held out as a precaution. That's according to the AJC. Uh, manager Brian Snicker says Soroka reported the issue when he arrived to camp. So, you know, he hasn't pitched in a few years, battling the twice Achilles tear. So let's hope he doesn't have any more leg issues on this. They kind of need him to come back, and at least him or Ian Anderson have a pretty good year. Meanwhile, the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum announced today that uh, Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff have chosen the baseball caps they will wear when they go in to Cooperstown. Uh, they'll be formally inducted into the hall July 23rd up in Cooperstown, New York. Beautiful place. Each player's plaque will be revealed immediately prior to the induction speech that day. We'll start with Scott Rowland. He's the 12th player to don a Cardinals cap. Uh, on the plaque, played six of his 17 seasons in St. Louis, won three gold gloves there and four all-star selections. Also got his only World Series ring with the 06 Cardinals. He also played a long time for the Phillies. So he chose uh, St. Louis over Philly. Boy, that would be a tough choice if you gave to me. You got to live in either Philadelphia or um, St. Louis. 
I'd probably opt for, I don't know, exile. Uh, McGriff, uh, who was selected by the Contemporary Baseball Players Era Committee, or SIBC, on December 4th, played for six teams over 19 seasons, fairly evenly split, five years each with the Toronto, Atlanta, and Tampa. He also played three seasons with San Diego, two with the Cubs, and one with Los Angeles Dodgers. Here's what Fred said. At each step, I was lucky to be part of memorable teams and play in front of some of the best fans in baseball. In discussing my career with the Hall, we decided that with no logo on my plaque, I can equally represent these cities and the incredible fans in Toronto, where I got my start, Atlanta, where we won the World Series, and my hometown of Tampa Bay as well as San Diego. I can't wait to see my plaque when it's unveiled. So he will go in there with a a blank. Well, it's got, I guess, the MLB logo on it, something like that. And you can see why he's doing it. I just think I would have picked the Braves because you won his World Series here. You'd think he'd do that, but I guess not. Uh, meanwhile, a player still out there, Corbin Burns, very good right-hander from Milwaukee, recently lost his arbitration case, and he is not happy. He went on... Uh, social media and well basically he talked to a reporter on uh, camera and that has now gone all over social media and uh, he is not a happy camper he says it uh, left a very bitter taste in his mouth says he pretty the brewers pretty much blamed him for not uh, either getting to the postseason or not getting very far in it yikes so what about max freed who also lost his arbitration case with atlanta max says he has no animosity at all Hmm. Uh, by the way, there's even talk of a long-term extension today, which we're here, all the experts say the Braves are going to not do that. I hope they do. I think it would make sense in Max Freed. I think he's the type of guy, and he's smart enough that once his game starts to evolve where he loses a little bit of the fastball, I think he would still be able to throw that curve up there. So I think he's smart enough to change his style, and I think the Braves should sign him. I'm not big on the long term. Sorry, take a sip here. For pitchers, I'm not big on long-term for pitchers, unless you're like uh, Christy Matheson or Craig Maddox or something like that. But I think um, Mr. Freed is a little different than some of the others. In fact, there was some talk yesterday on one of the Atlanta local sports stations. I don't know which one, so I won't say the wrong one. They were talking about how in the past, I think it was Jason Stark was talking with um, Cellini and Domino about this. And he was talking about the Braves, you know, don't, do not have a history. And one of the things is Alex Anthopoulos got burned when he was in Toronto signing a pitcher, I forget who it was, to a long-term contract. And he's been very wary of it since. So we'll see. Maybe he knows best. Uh, meanwhile, a couple days ago, it came out that the Braves have their chip carry replacement. It's Brandon Galden. And I'm thinking, I've heard that name somewhere. Well, we should. He's the former voice of Georgia Tech. He replaced Wes Durham. That was big shoes to fill, and he did it. He's a new play-by-play announcer for the Braves on Bally Sports South and Southeast. Yes, they're still in business as of today. <laughs> Galden, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, replaces Chip, who is going on to the Cardinals to follow in his steps of his Hall of Fame granddaddy, Harry Carey. Uh, Galden has called uh, MLB, NFL, college football, and basketball games for Fox Sports and the Big Ten Network for the past seven years. He's been living in Atlanta since he came here for the Georgia Tech in 2013. He was there for what, four seasons, I believe. 
He was originally from Evansville, Indiana, says he grew up a Braves fan, has put all kinds of Braves memorabilia that he had, including a letter at 13 that he wrote to Skip Carey. So um, and said he was in awestruck when he finally got to meet him. I know how that feels. Uh, let's see. He was also the play-by-play voice of Madden NFL for EA Sports, so you know his voice. He said yesterday that moving to the Braves broadcast booth is a realization of a childhood dream. He says, I get behind the mic for a team I grew up idolizing. I mean, he's in Indiana, and he grew up idolizing. I never understood why the why MLB does not put an expansion team in Indianapolis. It's a big enough city now. They love baseball. They have a long history in both the Negro Leagues and, and minor league baseball. It's a growing city. It's only going to get bigger. I think it would fill a hole there in the southern Midwest. I, I consider that Midwest, Indiana. I mean, you have Detroit and Cleveland. You have the two Chicago teams. You got St. Louis. You got Cincinnati. But I think uh, that would make a very good addition. Of course, they're probably going to put one, a team in Nashville, Charlotte, one of those, and um, maybe not both. That would be a lot of teams very close to each other, but they're both growing cities. And I think they should have one in Indianapolis. We don't know. Oakland's either going to stay in Oakland, which I doubt, or they will move to uh, the lower Bay Area or probably Vegas. I don't think Major League Baseball, the way things are going in Portland, Oregon, are going to move a team there. I think that would be a huge, huge mistake to put one in Portland right now for all kinds of reasons, by the way. Anyway, uh, on Wednesday, which was two days ago, Diamond Sports is the parent company of the 19 Bally Sports Regional Networks. They skipped $140 million in interest payments. So that starts the 30-day grace period, which could be the prelude to a bankruptcy filing. We're going to be talking about another bankruptcy coming up pretty soon in football. Commissioner Rob Manford, interim hopefully, says they're prepared for whatever happens, including takeover production of the broadcast. So I'm sure that Rob Manford has a plan. I'm also sure that the moon is actually a giant piece of plywood put there by the lost continent of Atlantis. Mark my words, that's going to come out any day now. Meanwhile, the USA's chances in the WBC just got worse. Clayton Kershaw will not partake. Uh, The Dodgers' longtime ace said in an interview this afternoon, Friday, uh, says they called the sudden turn of events disappointing. Won't disclose details, but a source, uh, supposedly insider, says he was unable to get insurance for his contract, likely because of his history of back injuries. Kershaw will turn 35 next month. Uh, says he's 100% healthy. Uh, no Kershaw, no Nestor Cortez. We're screwed. There's also a player for uh, Mexico who could not get insurance, so he's not going to play for Mexico. I forget his name. All right, take another sip here before we talk, start talking NFL football or the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> a few of the experts have weighed in as to who they think the Falcons are going to choose in the uh, upcoming NFL draft in April. Let's start with CBS Sports' Ryan Wilson. Let's see. He says the Falcons will choose cornerback Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. He's good. He is the prototypical big physical cornerback who looks like he belongs in the league. He can get a little too handsy downfield, but he checks many of the boxes what teams look for in a DB. I wouldn't be unhappy with that. I've seen him play. Uh, Jason McIntyre of Fox Sports says the Falcons will choose edge rusher Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech. Don't know squat about this guy. 
The Falcons were dead last in the NFL in pressure rate. They got to get uh, help defensively in the front seven. Mr. Wilson is six. Mr. Wilson is six foot six, two hundred sixty-five pound rusher. Has a great deal of upside. Oh boy. Uh, let's see. Name me another great rusher out of Texas. Anyway, Texas Tech. Chad Reuter of NFL.com says the Falcons will choose edge rusher edge rusher Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Uh, the uh, Braves. The Falcons do not have a good, um, let's just say, history with getting rushers out of Clemson. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. The Falcons could use another receiver to pair with Drake London, but their lack of pass rush, their 31st in sacks, means they should grab Murphy. He's the type of strong, long-edge defender that new defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen coached during his time with the Saints. Hmm. Vinny Iyer of Sporting News says the Falcons will choose offensive tackle Paris Johnson of Ohio State. They should think defense too, but they also might be hard-pressed to re-sign right tackle Caleb McGarry after his breakout 22 season. Should they let him walk for a bigger contract elsewhere, which might happen, Johnson would be a plug-and-play replacement, nimble pass protection, and run-blocking upside. I don't like to hear the term upside. I want them ready to go when they come out if you're drafting them eighth. But Tom Fornelli of CBS Sports says they will uh, choose Tyree Wilson, who we just talked about uh, out of Texas Tech. Synthony Freeland of NFL.com says it's going to be, get this, and don't be surprised if he's there, quarterback C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. I actually wouldn't be too upset with that, even though they really need a rusher. Uh, according to Cynthia, my models seem higher on Stroud than other people so far. It's possible that after the scouting combine that he becomes uh, the top-ranked quarterback in the class. I think he's already there. Uh, let's see. Ba, 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 da, da, da. He's, his strength at the point of release. He's stable base even under pressure, combined with accuracy and decision-making. In a system like Arthur Smith's, where the run concept leads the way, Stroud's value is amplified. It could be a tough one to pass on him, even though with them expressing confidence in Desmond Ritter. I think he's a little better than Desmond Ritter. I don't think he's as big as Desmond Ritter. I don't uh, have the stats here in front of me about that, though. Josh Edwards of CBS Sports uh, says it's going to be edge rusher. Why do I keep screwing that up? Edge rusher. Miles Murphy of Clemson. We already talked about him. Uh, Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports uh, says it's going to be C.J. Stroud. And finally, Todd McShay of ESPN. So I do not have, have Mel Kuypers yet. Todd McShay of ESPN says it's going to be offensive tackle Peter Skaronsky of Northwestern. He's not the only one I've heard talk about this guy. I've seen him play a little bit. Uh, Atlanta has Kayla McGarry and Chuma Adoga headed to free agency. Uh, the offensive tackle depth chart is barren. They rely so much on the run, they got to look at the line. His length, Mr. Skaronsky's length, <laughs> no, no jokes here, should get answers at the combine. He's quick. He's got good balance and awareness. Is They're outstanding. Takes great angles as a run blocker. Should open things up for Tyler Algier and whoever else is back there. Uh, quarterback is worth a look, too, according to McShay. But with Ritter already in the fold, I'm not sure they take the plunge on Florida's Anthony Richardson. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, let's see. Uh, frankly, if Stroud's not there, I think they do not go for Stroud. If Stroud is there... Ah, it's going to be tempting. 
Now, I said years ago that the Falcons should have traded Matt Ryan. I said two or three years before they traded him. And, of course, they waited at least a year too late to do it. And now another expert, not counting myself among these, says they also screwed it up. Pro Football Focus, or PFF as everybody knows them, says the Falcons have made their share of mistakes in the draft over the last five years. They missed on a handful of players, including multiple second and third round picks. So what if the Falcons' biggest draft mistake was not getting more assets when they had the chance? Uh, PFF released a new feature highlighting each team's biggest draft blunder. Mike Renner wrote that the biggest mistake for Atlanta was Matt Ryan. Quote, if you're not a fan of the Falcons or an NFL South rival, it may surprise you to know that Atlanta has been below 500 for the entire span covered by this article, five straight years of mediocrity or worse. They refused to hit a hard reset after going 4-12 in 2020 and when I was screaming for it, and in turn held on to Matt Ryan past his usefulness in the trade market, end quote. With the benefit of hindsight, it's easy to say the bird should have moved Ryan sooner. However, the salary cap was already in bad shape at the time, and that was before moving Julio Jones. It's also true the compensation Atlanta got for Ryan, a third-round pick, would have been significantly more if they'd done it a year earlier, possibly a second-rounder. You could also argue that the team's biggest draft blunder was any one of the team's missed draft picks, including third-round pick Jalen Mayfield and second-rounder Marlon Davidson. Both players fell out of favor very early on. Mayfield still has a chance to turn things around, but Davidson was released last offseason. On a positive note, the team is projected to have the second most cap space in the league this offseason, throw in another top 10 pick, and the future looks as bright as ever in Atlanta. Uh, uh-huh. About as bright as a 40-watt bulb in a bat cave, because these are the Falcons. I'm still not sold on whether this regime will turn it around, even though I like Arthur Smith as a coach so far. Um... But then again, I liked that guy before him in the first couple of years, too. So anyway, uh, some sad news here. I'm going to take a little note while you talk about Croy Beerman. Remember him? Uh, Croy Beerman, who has been out of the news lately, along with his wife, Kim Zolchak, are having trouble at home, as in... Their Georgia mansion is in foreclosure, according to TMZ Sports. The property could soon be sold to the highest bidder. If you have a couple million, maybe it's yours. Uh, Kim and Croy's Alpharetta mansion was heavily featured during her time on Real Housewives of Atlanta and the couple's own reality show, Don't Be Tardy. But now Truist Bank has hired a law firm to handle the foreclosure. The estate sits along the 18th hole of the Manor Golf and Country Club. It's going to be auctioned off March 7th from the steps of the Fulton County Courthouse. There doesn't get much more embarrassing than that. They're screaming your name, excuse me, and your property on the steps of the courthouse. Uh, Croy used to play for the Falcons, bought the home way back in 2012, 11 years ago, for $880,000. It's 6,900 square feet, five bedrooms, six and a half baths. They, they couldn't, you know, pay for seven? Uh, uh, see, the place is decked out with a pool, waterfall, spa, basketball court, and elevator. Truist Bank uh, began foreclosure on the property back in August after the couple defaulted on their mortgage. You'd think with all the years they were on television and him playing, they would have gone ahead and paid it off. Uh, I don't know. Online uh, realty websites estimate the home is now worth between two and a half and two point six million dollars. Meanwhile, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey is going to host Saturday Night Live SNL March 4th. Will he bring his brother? 
Will it be as funny as when Peyton Manning did it? As much as I prefer Eli, Peyton was better as the host. That that little film they did where he's teaching the, the little kids how to play football and he keeps drilling them in the back when they don't make their break at the right time, classic. I think that was the first time I think people actually realized that Peyton was funny. And that was a long time ago. College football news. It looks like the Gators are trying to catch up with everybody. The state of Florida has updated its name, image, and likeness, likeness legislation yesterday. They're pulling back on restrictions while allowing the universities to provide additional entrepreneurial workshops to their players. In other words, pay them. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed HB7B, Intercollegiate Athletic uh, Athlete Compensation and Rights into Law, with Florida State football coach Mike Norvell and Florida football coach Billy Napier and other players and from both schools in attendance. Um, I don't think it, it matters to Miami because uh, they're a private school, I believe. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Probably uh, affects USF and UCF, though, I'm sure. And, of course, uh, Florida is having a lot of trouble. They had that um, California quarterback who was promised $13 million, then that deal fell through, so he left for Arizona State. Uh, going from matriculating at Florida to Arizona State, uh, and I'm not just doing this because Kimmer went there. I, I kid with him about this. Who am I to kid? I went to freaking Georgia State, and I audited San Diego State. Not exactly Ivy League, okay? But Florida is actually, and we all joke about Florida, but Florida is actually considered one of the top public universities in the country. I kid you not. So uh, Arizona State, I do not think is on that list <laughs> let's put it that way uh so anyway but it sounds like a fun school to go to i've known a few people who went to asu and they enjoyed their time there meanwhile former georgia tech player and nfl head coach ken wisenhunt has joined nick saban's staff as a special assistant okay i thought he was a pretty good coach and by the way the rich just got richer after saban picked up get this talk about getting tougher a 26 year old former active duty Marine is now a walk-on tight end from Colorado State. Kobe McNeil transferring from the Rams to the Crimson Tide. Uh, let's see. He was a redshirt freshman in 2022 at the ripe old age of 26. That's older than many Ph.D. students. Uh, let's see. He's going to have a lot of life experience in the locker room. I tell you what. He's one of the guys, when you, he walks in, people are going to not give him any crap. He can kill you in 45 different ways with just his pinky. Uh, college basketball news. Uh, get your prayers up. Uh, to this afternoon, uh, we learned that Richmond, the Spiders head coach, Chris Mooney, is taking a leave of absence. Uh, they announced that he will have surgery next week to remove an aneurysm in his ascending aorta. This is the type of thing that can kill you if it bursts. Thank God they caught it quick. I'm surprised they're waiting that long to operate. Maybe other things have been going on. But uh, they don't always catch this. Thank God they did. As a result of heart surgery, he was going to miss the rest of the season. Hopefully, Chris Mooney will be back fully healed and ready to go next year on this. But uh, that is nothing to joke around with. Thank goodness and thank God they caught it early. Golf news here as we get a little lighter turn. Further proof, Tiger Woods is rounding back into the form. The notorious trash talker outdrove Justin Thomas on a hole Thursday, then pulled a prank that has several people, mostly women and beta males, wanting to cancel him. Uh, ninth hole on the opening round of the Genesis Invitational in L.A., 
Tiger brought out his driver and nuked a ball, according to TMZ Sports, 323 yards down the fairway. Uh, Justin Thomas's drive didn't even come close to that, 20 yards short. And as the two were walking side-by-side to the balls, Tiger slyly passed an item off to his good buddy Justin. What was it? Well, they called it on camera. It's a Tampex. <laughs> Uh, it took a second for Thomas to realize what it was, and he immediately dropped it. <laughs> the guys then shared a huge laugh and a side hug. That's good to see Tiger enjoying himself. It's likely to be the last time they find the wildly offensive stunt funny, TMZ calling it wildly offensive, because the online backlash has already begun. Here's my, my response. If I'm me or Tiger Woods, two middle fingers up, blank you i have f you money give it your best shot to cancel me i can walk away from this and you and all social media and never look back the rest of my life i buy my island in the south pacific and you never hear or see from me again believe me i'm well on my way i've taken the first step to something like that and tiger can do it tomorrow but anyway uh and by the way i'm not when i say that i'm not giving the middle finger to you the, I'm giving my middle finger to social media and Facebook, especially the Zuckerbergs of the world and the, uh, the beta males and the, the bitching females out there who, who live to cancel other people, all the woke types out there. Yeah, I'm flipping you off. Uh, give, it a, give it your best shot to cancel me because when I go back into my cave with my peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches and, uh, and I'll splurge on maybe some A&W root beer, uh, I won't give you a second thought, but that's, uh, that's just me. All I need is some paints. All I need is, uh, some, some place to watch baseball and football. Um, some place to walk around and play with dogs. That's really all I need in peanut butter. But anyway, uh, the perpetually PC pussies of the internet are weighing in as usual. Uh, so we'll see if uh, Tiger has the will to withstand them. Hopefully he does. On this day, February 17th in 1818, Baron Carl van Dre de Sarabrun patented the Drazine, D-R-A-I-S-I-N-E, Drazine, which sounds like something you squirt up your nose when you have a cold. Actually, what the Baron invented was the bicycle, the early bicycle in 1818. We took a little trip. 1924, American swimmer Johnny Weissmuller later became Tarzan, the greatest Tarzan, I believe. Ron Eli was pretty good, too. Set the 100-meter world freestyle record at 57.4 seconds down in Miami. 1941, in his 14th title defense, Joe Lewis KO'd Gus Dorazio in the second round in Philadelphia, the old convention center, and retained the NYSAC heavyweight boxing crown. 1955, American golfer Mike Suchak set the PGA 72-hole record of 257, which was not broken until 2001. Does not tell us who broke it. 1968, Frenchman Jean-Claude Keeley completed a clean sweep of the alpine skiing events at the Grenoble France Winter Olympics. He won the slalom, took the downhill in a giant slalom. For those of us of my age... And I don't remember the 68 games. My first games I remember were 72. And were 72 Munich or Montreal? I think it was Montreal. Or was it Munich? Uh, Either way, those are the first uh, games I really remember. 
And you will not believe how big an international star that Jean-Claude Keeley was. He was in commercials. He was everywhere, man. Also, 1968, the same day, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts opened. Hmm, I've never been there. I mean, I've been to Springfield. The Berkshire Mountains are fantastic, beautiful. But I've never been to Springfield uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. I think I need to go there. 1974, uh, the 16th Daytona 500, Richard Petty, the first driver to win back-to-back titles at Daytona, his fifth Great American Race. 1974, on the same day, 49 people died in a stampede for seats at the soccer match in Cairo, Egypt. 1980, Daytona. Buddy Baker won ahead of Bobby Allison and Neil Bonnet. There's some names for you. 1985, Daytona. After taking the pole to a then record speed of over 205 miles per hour, awesome Bill from Dawsonville. Bill Elliott dominates the race, leading 136 of 200 laps. Man, he dominated for a while there. 1991, Daytona. Ernie Irvin driving the Morgan McClure Motorsports. Coast to a win after Challenger's crash on the final laps. Uh, 1996, Gary Kasparov beat the, the computer from IBM Deep Blue 4-2 to two in chess. Uh, the last stand for humans. 2002, Daytona, Ward Burton's win, the first for a Dodge since Petty's victory in 74. 2008, uh, the 50th Daytona 500, Ryan Newman wins a shootout going into the final turn from Tony Stewart and the Bush brothers Kurt and Kyle. 2012, let's see, approximately 70 ancient Olympic artifacts were stolen from the Archaeological Museum of Greece. No word that they ever got them back. Uh, 2016, Nike ends their endorsement deal with Filipino boxer Manny Pacquiao after Manny went on TV and said gay people are, quote, worse than animals, end quote. Not smart. 2019, Daytona, Joe Gibbs Racing goes 1-2-3. Denny Hamlin holds off reigning Cup Series champion Joey Logano and teammate Kyle Busch to win his second Great American Race. And in 2020, Daytona, Denny Hamlin won his second straight title by 0.014 seconds over Ryan Blaney in the second restart in overtime, his third Daytona victory. Birthdays, February 17th on this day in sports, 1893, Wally Pipp. Remember him? If you're a baseball fan, you know Wally Pipp. The first baseman won a World Series in 1923, I believe, with the Yankees, with the American League home run leader in 1916 and 17 with the Yanks. So he was no bust. He was a good player. He was born in Chicago, died in 1965. Of course, he was the guy who uh, I think had a headache, probably a migraine, and said, I can't go in today, put in the kid. And the kid was Lou Gehrig, and Lou Gehrig did not come back out. Wally Pipp was a damn good player. 1905, Andy Oberlander, College Football Hall of Fame halfback at Dartmouth, won a national championship, used to be the Dartmouth Indians, uh, won a national title in 1954, really? Born in Chelsea, Mass, uh, 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 died in 1968. Uh, 1908, Red Barber. Baseball broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds from 1934 to 38, the Brooklyn Dodgers from 39 to 53, and the Yankees from 54 to 66, was born in Columbus, Mississippi. Most of the great broadcasters back then were Southerners. Uh, died in 1992. Red Barber. I'd love to have talked to him. 
1931, uh, Buddy Ryan, American football coach with the Eagles and Cardinals. Very entertaining guy. Uh, defensive coordinator with the great Chicago Bears teams of the 80s. You know, uh, when the, the Bears were lifting Ditka up, that was the offense. The defense was lifting up Buddy when they won. Uh, he was born in Frederick, Oklahoma, died in 2016. Jim Brown was born on this day in 1936. He's 86, Jim Brown. Uh, college and Pro Football Hall of Fame running back, went to Syracuse, was the NFL MVP in 57, 58, and 65. NFL Rookie of the Year in 57, eight-time All-Pro. Uh, played for the Cleveland Browns, uh, retired before he was through, went into the movies, Born in St. Simons, Georgia. And, of course, he's known for uh, the first really big interracial love scene, him and Raquel Welch, uh, who just passed away a few days ago. You know what? I knew she was of Hispanic or origin. Or maybe not Hispanic, because I think she, she's from, her father was from Bolivia, was an immigrant, an engineer, and did not want his kids to grow up being Spanish or Bolivian. He wanted them to be American. Remember, there was a time when people came here to be Americans. Uh, and so he kept them from speaking Spanish in their home, which she said later hurt her because it made it, she didn't know much about her heritage. And you should always be proud of your heritage. I mean, it's stupid not to be. Uh, but she later became very proud of her Bolivian. I did not show, no, I thought she was Mexican, but she's Bolivian. One of them, and she kept her name Raquel because it was a family name. And they tried, the studios tried to get her to change her name to Debbie. Debbie Welch. Ugh, just not, it does not have the gravitas of Raquel Welch. And of course, they moved to La Jolla, and uh, that's where she was discovered. And and uh, she had one of the first big on-screen between stars uh, kind of love scenes. Uh, they kissed and groped a little bit, I think. I, I don't know. I never saw the movie. It was 100 Rifles or something. I forget the name of it. Anyway, I forgot that Jim Brown's from St. Simons, too. Uh, 1948, Rick Majerus. Portly basketball coach, five-time WAC coach of the year at Utah, born in Sheboygan Falls, Wisconsin, died in 2012. See, I called him Portly. I did not say waddle over here as Terry Bradshaw did, which was, I thought, crass. 1959, Rowdy Gaines, swimmer, won Olympic gold. Uh, let's see, 1984. Uh, broadcaster for NBC, born in Winter Haven, Florida. 1961, Guy McIntyre, football guard, won Super Bowls in 84, 88, 89 for the 49ers, a pro bowler in the 80s and 90s for the Eagles, born in Thomasville, Georgia, and of course, he is a Georgia Bulldog. And uh, the big-time birthday, Michael Jordan is 59. Uh, I thought he was going to be 60. But anyway, he's born in 1963, so that makes him 60, does it not? Uh, Hall of Fame forward and owner, five-time MVP in the NBA, six-time champion with the Bulls, born in Brooklyn, New York. Forgot about that. He's from Brooklyn. Uh, that movie coming out with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck actually looks interesting. It's about uh, Sonny Vaccaro. Read his books. Oh, boy. He was a mover shaker for Nike. and, and the, Man, he got some stuff done. I think he was part of that UNLV crowd. <laughs> But uh, it's basically how they Nike saved their company, Phil Knight, by signing Michael Jordan and making the Air Jordans. I have a pair of Air Jordans from the 80s. My mom had the foresight to buy me some back in the 80s. And I remember wearing them around Tokyo and uh, had a few, few Jap Japanese love the Air Jordans and the tennis shoes. And that got a few people paying attention to those puppies. 
Uh, let's see, 1964 on this date, Buster Olney, sports columnist, does, does a very good job with baseball. 1968, Brian Cox was born, linebacker and coach, pro bowler in the 90s. Won a Super Bowl in 01 with the Patriots. Also played for the Dolphins and the Bears. Born in East St. Louis. Boy, there's a pit. Illinois. And, of course, was a coach for the Falcons. 1969, he was fun to watch in uh, college. David Klingler uh, for Houston, the Cougars. Also played for the Raiders and the Bengals. The Bengals beat him bloody behind a bad offensive line. He got the old Archie Manny treatment, I'm afraid. 1970, Tommy Moe. American skier, won Olympic gold and silver in 94, born in Anchorage. In 1973, Drew Barry, uh, guard for the Hawks and Georgia Tech. In 1977, here is, I, I congratulated him a day early, and he said, thanks, but uh, you're a day early. Matthew Kaminsky, a jazz musician and baseball organist for the Atlanta Braves, the best in baseball, polka accordionist, I should have had him come in today. I filled in for the camera once at one of our stations and uh, had Matthew come in with his keyboard and play the intros and outros and everything. Great interview, great guy, and uh, played along very well with us. And uh, I'm sure he was disturbed by everything we were saying and talking about. I did not know he had an accordion. I would have asked him to bring it in and, and play for us, but I did not know that. He's an educator as well, born in Chicago. And in 1980, Al Harrington, basketball player, straight out of high school, played for the Hawks and several other teams, uh, played for Atlanta 2004 to 2006. So there's your birthdays as I take a sip of the Heineken. I am starving, by the way. For some reason, I am starving for Olive Garden fettuccine. Don't hate me. I know it's not real Italian food, but for some reason, man, I like it. I had McNuggets yesterday. And for the first time, I ordered from the machine. You know, you walk in and you go up to the machine. I go, I'll give this a try. And you know what? It was actually efficient. It was easy to figure out what I was trying to do. And, and, you, and you go and you sit down and they actually bring you the food in a McDonald's. That blew my mind. But anyway, it was very interesting. As I was walking in the McDonald's, there was a... a, a looked like a 16-year-old, I think it was a girl, in a T-shirt. It was 71, a cut-off arms T-shirt with bright pink hair and nose piercings, lip piercings, and I think a cheek piercing. It was like, oh, you poor thing, whatever you are. Anyway, dead people on February 17th. In 1959, we lost Tim Mara the founder and administrator of the New York Giants of the NFL, the head of the Mara family, died at 59. In 1982, Nestor Chilak, one of the great names of baseball, the Hall of Fame umpire in the American League from 1954 to 78, uh, did World Series and All-Star Games. He also was 59 when he died. 1986, we lost Red Ruffing, Hall of Fame pitcher, six-time All-Star, won World Series in 1932, 36, 37, 38, and 39, and 41 for the Yankees. Died from a stroke-related problems. He was 80. 1989, Lefty Gomez. It was, it was a big day for losing great baseball players. Not great in the sense of yay. Uh, 1989, Lefty Gomez died. Hall of Fame pitcher, seven-time All-Star. Won five World Series. Won the Triple Crown of Pitching in 1934 and 37, playing for the Yankees. Died of congestive heart failure. He was 80. 2016, we lost Tony Phillips. Pretty good player for the Athletics, infielder, dead at 56. 
Uh, let's see. In 2020, we lost a great American golfer, Mickey Wright, 13 major titles. She died of a heart attack. She was 85. Let's see. Should we go to Pete's tweets? Let's go to Pete's tweets and see what we have there. Strange but true Super Bowl trivia. Here's something to think about. The last 17 quarterbacks to lose their Super Bowl debut have not made it back yet to the Super Bowl, and some never will. Think about this. Jalen Hurts, we don't know yet. Okay, he just lost. Joe Burrow didn't get back. I think he will get back, but he did not get back this year. This stupid phone is screwing around with me. I'm going to kill it. I will kill you, phone. It's almost time to kill you. Don't mess with me here. Uh, let's see. Before Joe Burrow, we have – let me take the glasses off. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo of the 49ers, Jerry Goff of the Rams, Matt Ryan of the Falcons, Cam Newton of the Panthers, Colin Kaepernick of the 49ers, Rex Grossman of the Bears, Matt Hasselbeck. I forget who was – was that C- – who was he playing for? I don't know. Donovan McNabb of the Eagles, Jake Delhomme of the Panthers, Rich Gannon of the Raiders, Kerry Collins of the Giants, Steve McNair, the late McNair of uh, Tennessee, Chris Chandler of the Falcons, Drew Bledsoe of the Patriots, Neil O'Donnell of the Steelers, and Stan Humphreys of the San Diego Chargers. Mm-mm-mm. What else we got here? Uh, Brandon Galden, the new Braves announcer, says, uh, Go Braves, time to start prepping. Opening day is 42 days away. Talk to you soon. That was a day or two ago. Today is a realization of a childhood dream. Uh, thanks to the Braves and Bally Sports for the opportunity. Good luck to him. Uh, Ralph Russo, I'm not emotionally and psychologically prepared to acknowledge SEC media days yet. To which ESPN uh, college football maven Heather Dinich replied, Oh, come on. Valentine's Day is over. It's almost St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole of the Yankees. Uh, went on Bleacher Report walk-off. At least they tweeted what he said. And here's the quote from Mr. Cole uh, about the Yankees last year. We got waxed. Anytime you get waxed, it doesn't feel good, whether you're going to the salon or you're on the baseball field, <laughs> end quote. I once dated a, a woman who begged me for a Brazilian wax. Please, please uh, get me a Brazilian wax. And for some reason, I never did. I should have. I should have. I'm sorry I didn't do that. Uh, let's see. As long as I don't have to be there for it. What else we got here? Do, 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 do. I'm trying to find sports. 92.9 The Game here in Atlanta has a question. Should the Falcons trade the number eight pick for Justin Fields of the Bears? I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all. As if we got some great draft picks back from the Bears. Wait a minute. We're getting, we're, we're getting Justin Fields. So I guess we wouldn't be getting all the great. Anyway, uh, another team just doesn't learn, do they? Fox Sports MLB saying that the Padres have signed Cole Hamels to a minor league deal. Nobody, I mean, he has been washed up for six years. Uh, what else we got here? Do, 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 do sports-wise, that's not sports. Bob Valvano put out a Twitter poll, the best skit comedy show. Here's his choices. Monty Python, which was my choice, SNL, SCTV, or Chappelle's show. My order would be Monty Python, Chappelle Show, SNL, then SCTV. I loved all of them. I love all of them. 
But you, the voter, said that Chappelle's show was 47%, SNL 28%, Monty Python 19%, SCTV, which a lot of people don't know is Canadian. That's where Joe, uh, John Candy and, oh, a lot of those great guys got their start. Uh, that later went on to great fame which you'll know if you, if you saw their faces, you know them. Count Floyd and all that good stuff. SEC, SCTV gets 6%. SCTV, is, did you ever watch Shit's Creek? Well, you know, those people. You know, the, the lovely Catherine O'Hara. Oh, God, what was Eugene. Oh, watch his last. Levy. Levy? Levi? Levy? I think Eugene Levy. His son's fun, uh, funny, too. But they're a great pair. Eugene Levy and, and Catherine, Catherine O'Hara, of course, the mother and uh, the Home Alone and all that stuff. Let's see uh, what else we got here. Clayton Kershaw. Okay, we had that. Let's go back to uh, this date in sports history, but baseball history, February 17th, 1900. Instead of unpaid alimony, Mary Vanderbeck takes possession of the American League franchise in Detroit. Her ex-husband, George Vanderbeck, decided to build Bennett Park at the corner of Michigan and Trumbull Avenues. The Tigers' home for the next 104 seasons will later regain control of the team. 1937, the Yankees purchased Red Sox first baseman Babe Dahlgren, who will end Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak. So we got, we've gone everywhere from Wally Pipp to Lou Gehrig to Bob Dahlgren, Babe Dahlgren. Boy, that's full circle there. During his four-year tenure with the Bronx Bombers, Dahlgren, the California native, bats 248 and then was bought by the Boston Braves before the 1941 season. Hmm. 1943, without notifying the Yankees, 28-year-old Joe DiMaggio waives his draft deferment and enlists in the U.S. Army Air Force. Doesn't play again until 1946. Uh, the outfitter asked for no special treatment, but he did spend most of his time out of harm's way playing baseball in California and Hawaii. Well, I'll tell you what. He probably raised morale for those guys to see Joe DiMaggio play. Uh, that was probably a big lift for morale, so I think he did his part. No, he's not Ted Williams, but he did his part. 1954, Dwight D. Eisenhower, the 34th President of the United States at the time, congratulated Hall of Famer Honus Wagner on his birthday. Uh, Dwight sent a letter labeled Personal and Confidential to Honus Wagner, wishing the former Pirate shortstop a happy 80th birthday. Why? Because the Hall of Famer, the infielder, was Ike's boyhood hero when he was growing up in Abilene, Kansas. Here's what he wrote. Quote, realization that you now count your years at the four score mark reminds me with something of a shock that it was 50 years ago that I used to follow your batting average with the keenest of interest, end quote. Any president that uses the, the word score is a pretty great president, probably. Uh, 1964. White Sox shortstop Luke Appling, although he received only two Baseball Hall of Fame votes when he first appeared on the ballot in 1953, is elected to the Hall of Fame by the sports writers. He, he defeats Red Ruffing in a runoff election. Hmm. They stopped doing that in 1967, doing the runoff thing. Uh, Appling later on worked for the Braves organization. In 1990... Herb Rayborn, the Yankee director of Latin American operations, signs amateur free agent Mariano Rivera. An athletic 20-year-old had an effortless pitching motion, but a less-than-average fastball. He gets $3,000. Uh, 
He becomes the all-time major league saves leader, had no formal training as a pitcher. He had thrown on the mound for the first time two weeks before being scouted at the tryout camp in Panama City. Panama. Amazing. 1995, unwilling to be part of an inferior product placed on the field as a show of support for his players, Tigers skipper Sparky Anderson, suspended without pay, refused to manage the replacement players in spring training during the work stoppage. He will resume his duties when the strike ends, but will retire, believed by some not to be voluntary, at the end of the season. So he paid a price for it. 2003, avoiding arbitration, the Braves assigned 36-year-old righty Greg Maddox to the largest one-year contract in Major League history. He had gone 16-6 and with a 2.62 ERA, a $14.7 million deal, the four-time Cy Young Award winner, eclipsing $12 million given to David Cohn by the Yankees three years earlier. In 2003, the same day, after his body temperature soared to 108 degrees, Orioles pitching prospect Steve Belcher died of multi-organ failure during a spring training workout in Fort Lauderdale. The use of ephedrine, the dietary supplement linked to heat stroke and heart attacks, may have led the 23-year-old expectant father's death. Wow. Forgot about that. 2006, White Sox skipper Ozzie Guillen issued an apology for his comments published in Sports Illustrated, criticizing Alex Rodriguez's indecision concerning which country the Yankees All-Star would represent in the WBC. At first, A-Rod, who was born in the U.S., revealed he would play for the Dominican Republic due to his parents' heritage, decided not to participate, and then he chose Team USA. Good for him. 2021, after playing 143 Major League games, Fernando Tatis Jr. and the Padres agreed to a huge mistake, $340 million, 14-year extension. The 22-year-old shortstop deal includes a full no-trade clause. It's the third richest contract in baseball history, trailing only Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. What a mistake it has turned out to be so far. Uh, thanks to Saturday Down South, ESPN on this day, National Pastime at the Atlanta Falcons, TMZ and MLB.com for helping put this lovely show together for you today. I hope I have not woken up my sister upstairs. Uh, let's see, what have we got here? Do, 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 do. Oh, it's the first day of SEC baseball. If you have never seen a baseball game at an SEC venue please do especially Ole Miss do not sit in the right field bleachers unless you like getting wet with beer that's I'm just gonna tell you uh let's it's game time the national champions rebels are back on the field (laughs) ah by the way the SEC has won three straight Vanderbilt Mississippi State and Ole Miss Uh, what else we got here Chopper the Braves mascot or is it Chopper the Gwinnett Stripers? Yeah, Chopper's. I'm sorry. I've been calling him the Braves mascot. He's the Gwinnett Braves, the Gwinnett Stripers, AAA mascot. Had a nightmare that I can only speak like Owen Wilson. Went to a therapist and got diagnosed with Wilson Obsessive Wonderment. Wow, that's. I would not have treated, tweeted that. Chip, uh, Chopper. <laughs> Trying to find out what else we got here. The Braves shuffled their minor league coaching staffs. I won't go through all of them, but uh, down at Mississippi now, the manager is Kanakoa Teixeira. Hmm. I don't know any of the other coaches there. Uh, was, oh, he's, he, uh, he's moving over from Rome. Going, so he's st- a step up there. Good, 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 good. 
It's always just good to see there. I'm not seeing really a lot of other going on. Uh, Adam Duvall is with the Boston Red Sox. That's hard to see. He should have a really big year up there with them. Seeing Dansby Swanson out in Arizona with the Cubs also was kind of a shock considering a week ago I saw him at the Five Guys. <laughs> I think that was him. All right, that's pretty much it. Let's go to ESPN, then I'll let you go. I'm starving. I really am starving. Uh, Tiger is one over. He could miss the cut. That sucks. Oh, shoot. He's apologizing for the Tampax thing. You don't have to do this. He says he didn't mean to offend anyone. It was supposed to be all fun and games. It didn't turn out that way. If it, if I offended anybody, it was not the case. It was just friends having fun. You can't even have fun with your friends now. You know, screw these people. Screw you, woke people. I hope if you're listening, fuck you. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, not intended. Da, da, da. We play pranks on each other all the time. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, you Manny Machado is going to opt out of his Padres contract after this year, saying there's a lot of money out there. Boy, he could be rich. Well, not he's you know he's going to be a little older after this year too. Padres are going to have a really good team. I'm telling you that first four. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Deion Sanders saying it's a whole different game now for you Colorado fans and players, and he's right. I think he's going to if he's a success at Colorado. He's NFL bound. You know that, right? He's there three, four years, and if he's a success, he's in the NFL, and rightfully so. All right. Uh, glad, everybody. Uh, hopefully, you've enjoyed this. Uh, once again, follow me on Twitter, Pete Davis One. Uh, please go on the Venmo and please help support the show. I really do appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to need bear and mountain lion money for, to try and. I'm, I'm going to have to bribe the bears and mountain lions not to eat me. Please pray that they do not eat me. I'm just kidding. They haven't seen one there for years. Years, I tell you. But if there's a snake there, I will find it. I am a snake magnet. I am one of the first purchases I am making in my new place, knock on wood that it doesn't fall through, is, is boot-high, waterproof, and snake-proof uh, boots. Because if there is a snake, I will step on it. That's just that's the way I am. It's always been, I've stepped on one snake and I've come close to two other snakes in my life. In fact, I fell off the back of a pickup truck that was loaded with bales of hay. I, I, me and the bales of hay fell off into a ditch along a dirt road and, as I, and didn't, didn't get a scratch. It was unbelievable. Didn't get a scratch. I look over and there's a snake like four feet away from me. It turned out it was just the skin of the snake. It was a rattlesnake. But it was a snake in my mind. And I think I got more hurt jumping up out of that ditch than I did falling into that ditch. But anyway, if there's a snake, I'll find it. But anyway, I don't know why I got off on this tangent. Farmhouseprintingco.com for all your printing needs. Everybody have a good one, and I'll see you Monday, the good Lord willing. And uh, have a good weekend. And have football withdrawals. But there's baseball. Baseball's coming. Drink up, Shriners. <laughs>